0: Right. Good morning. How are you guys? Nice. Welcome to the first ever regularly scheduled uh, 11 a.m. service. And there's people here. Awesome. I feel encouraged. Okay, good. Y'all got the email and the text and that's a good thing. And I just want to say thank you, a special thank you to um, all of our teams, people who are serving on our teams, uh, for coming a little early and making all of this happen. Uh, We could not and would not do this without you, so we appreciate you so much. Um, All right, and how many of you here were were here last week? Raise your hand if you were here last week. If you were not here, we had this amazing man of God over here uh, preach a message to his pastor, Howard Skinner. Preached a message on the anointing, and then we had an anointing service where we anointed the whole church. If you were not here last week, I just want to um, just let you know that after the service, we will have a ministry team up front here, and we want to pray for you and anoint you. The same thing that was available last week, that impartation is available for us this week. And so, uh, make sure you come up afterwards and, and receive prayer. We're, we're going to put some oil on you, anoint you. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you didn't hear the message, um, you can go back to. Um, citylights.church, and you can watch the message there. Um, Pastor Howard is 92. He's pushing 93, and he said it this way. He said, if God can use a donkey, he can use a 90, 92-year-old, eh, amen? So I don't know about you, but I lean on that all the time. It's like, he can use anyone. He can use me. So yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, all right, new year. How many of you started a new diet? New diet, new year's resolution. Anyone in here? You can wave at me. It's okay. Put it out there. It's all good. Um, I started a new diet. It's called a, a two weeks to flatten the curve diet. <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, two weeks to flatten the curve. That's because in December, I tried two weeks to slow the spread, and it didn't work. So, <laughs> new diets. But as we know, uh, this was mentioned in the last service, is that um, you know two weeks to slow the spread as it turned into two years to slow the spread. And so that's often how diets work. It's years later and you're still doing the same thing. Okay. Um, As was said in the announcements, uh, we like to kick off the beginning of each year with a time of prayer and fasting. I think new beginnings are important. I think it's important. Uh, the Bible says that his mercies are new every day. How many like that? In the Bible, there's a year of Jubilee. There's a, there's a new thing there. I think, I think new beginnings and fresh things are amazing. And um, so we like to kick off the beginning of the, of the year with um, a time of prayer um, and fasting. And uh, so this is running January 3rd through January 16th. As was said in the announcements a minute ago, um, on January Sunday, January 16th, that evening, we're going uh, to end that with a, a night of worship and a prayer. But I just want to say that if you haven't jumped in on uh, this time of prayer and fasting, um, you definitely could still do so. Uh, we have uh, seven days left. So if you started a fast Monday, you still have seven full days that you can do that. And uh, if you need more information about fasting, what it is, and why we do it, um, you can go to our website, citylights.church, and scroll down until you find the um, 14 days of prayer and fasting thing and click on it. Or you can go to citylights.church forward slash 14 days. It'll take you to the same place. And there's some information on there of, like, why we fast, why it's important. And there's also a schedule on there, because um, we have corporate prayer times every, every day during this fast here at the church, and it'll let you know uh, what times those are happening. You can come here to the church and pray. Um, if you, if you don't want to, you know, pray at home, so come in during that. But also I just want to highlight there are different types of fasts you can do. I know for like little kids or maybe you're a construction worker and you need your energy, you can't like not eat food. Otherwise you'll pass out on the job. So I get that. Um, but there are different fasts that you can do. Here's a few that I just want to highlight. This is also on the website. You could do a Daniel fast, which is uh, vegetables and water only. Uh, you could do a no meats or sweets um, fast. You could do a no refined sugar fast, that one's really good for uh, kids. Um, you could do a social media fast, that's good for all of us. Um, you could do a screens fast, um, also a really good one for kids, just fasting for you know two weeks, screens. Um, you could skip one or more meal a day, you could do a juice fast, you could do a liquids only fast, you could do a caffeine fast, which I did a couple years ago, it was terrible. <laughs> That's a, that was a real sacrifice. I would like, I would rather not eat than not drink caffeine. So um, I did a caffeine fast a couple years ago, not fun. Um, I was so excited about that first cup of coffee back. I'm like, you know, because you have this thought like, do I need this in my life? Do I want it back? And then I had that first cup of coffee. I'm like, yes, it's great. So, and you kind of resensitize yourself to caffeine. You know what I mean by that? So the buzz was better. Okay. Or you could do a water only fast if you're super hardcore. Uh, you could do water only. But listen, pray and ask the Lord what kind of fast he might have you to do. And But again, the more important part than the fasting part is the prayer part. Because I don't even know if you just fast and you don't pray, you're just going to get hungry. But if you fast and pray, there's something about that. It's, kind of a, it's a mysterious thing, but there's something about it that, um, I don't know, energizes or, or makes us more spiritually aware, uh, more sensitive to the spirit, I guess is what I'm looking for, um, so join us in that way. Um, all right. And during these two weeks um, of prayer and fasting, we have three focuses. Um, January third through seventh, we focused upward, who God is, um, in our lives. And I also want to say that we've had um, daily devotionals that we've also put on YouTube or on social platforms that you can follow along with this. But we focused upward, uh, January three through seven. Um, then we focused inward, January. Uh, and we're in that right now, January 8 through 11, we're focusing inward. Who are we in Christ? Who is Christ in us and who are we in him? And then the last one we'll do next Sunday uh, is out, outward. So upward, inward, and outward. And outward speaks of the overflow out of our lives. Many of us, um, we're not shining the light and love of Jesus because there's no overflow in our lives. We need an overflowing in our hearts if we're going to touch the world around us. So we'll talk a little bit about that um, next week. But this week, I want to dovetail um, with our theme, and I want to talk about the inward focus. Who are we in God? Who are we in Christ, and who is Christ in us? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? We are seed with Christ in heavenly places. The Bible says that. We're seed with him in heavenly places. How is that? I'm right here. How am I seated with him in heavenly places? I don't know. But I know that he lives in my heart, and I'm in him. He's in me, and I'm in him. Okay. Um, And I I think Christians, so many times, we, we fall so short. All of us, I think, to a degree, fall short of knowing who we really are in God, who we really are in Christ Jesus. I think if we could see ourselves for who we really are, we would live up to so much more potential. We would struggle so much less with doubt and insecurity and sin and those kind of things if we knew what Christ had done in us, and I want to just focus on that and talk about that a little bit today. Um, there's, a, there's an author and a motivational speaker named uh, Simon Sinek. Um, to my knowledge, he's not a believer, but he does um, talks to corporations, and he's written some books um, on leadership, and he says, most corporations, they know what they do and how they do it, but they don't know why they do it okay a lot of companies lose their edge in the market because they don't know why they exist Um, someone might say well they exist to make money or exist to bring a profit to the shareholders well that's good how many know that if you don't have a profitable company you got a problem but more than that it's really important that um, companies nonprofits, and churches um, schools and universities it's very important that they um, have a why for what they do. Why do they exist? And many times they lose their edge in the market because they don't know why they exist. Here's the deal. They should have a why. They should have a why. Uh, we as a church, we have a why. Why, do, why are we doing this? You know, it wasn't because Pastor Kurt didn, couldn't figure out what to do with his life. He's like, I guess I'll start a church, right? Um, if you want to learn about our why, you can come to our Belong class and I talk about why we exist and why we felt like the Lord was saying yes to this. But I think um, many believers, we kind of know what we should be doing. Like, we kind of know the what. Because you read the Word, and it's like, I should be praying. I should be reading the Word. I should be in fellowship with other believers, okay? We kind of know what it is. Um, We kind of know how we should do that. Um, And we might even kind of know why. Why? You know, like, why should I witness? Why should I tell others about Jesus? Well, because eternity's in the balance, right? Why should I tithe? Well, we need to finance the kingdom. We need to finance the, the work of God. Um, <clears throat> why should I be in community? Well, because you are stronger when you're with other believers who are like-minded. But I, want, I think believers, Christians, we have to take this a step further, more than even starting with why. We have to start with who. If you don't know who you are, In Christ, you will not end up with the right answers or the right kinds of motives. You can come to church, and you can hear about all the great things we're supposed to be doing. We could talk about the verses that talk about provoke one another to love and good deeds. We could do all that. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, you will end up with the wrong motives, and you won't understand why you do or should be doing what you do. Who is Christ in you, and who are you in Christ? We need to start with who. It's a question of our identity in Christ. This is so profound for Christians to understand their identity. Um, I kind of already asked this, but um, I guess not many of you set New Year's resolutions, which is fine because uh, New Year's resolutions oftentimes have a high rate of failure, right? A lot of people don't do them because they have a high rate um, of failure. I think goals, I'm kind of a goal guy. I think goals are good. Um, I don't set many of them because you're not supposed, to, you can't do too many goals at once. You got to kind of narrow, narrow the view there. Um, because I think if you can hit 80% of a, hitting a target is better than 100% of nothing. And so I think goals are good. Um, and in my life, I've had some success in keeping them. And so I think that makes me an authority on the subject. So <laughs> uh, I'm not going to just talk about goals today, don't worry. Um, my wife is very disciplined in some areas, and I'm, like, disciplined in other areas. I'm pretty good with, like, physical activity. She's really good with, like, a diet plan. If she picks a diet plan, that girl can stick to it. Not me. If there are carbohydrates in the, in the, in the kitchen, and I'm trying to cut back, it's very hard for me. I'm like, we got to get that stuff out of the house. <laughs> but um, I want to, for the sake of illustration, I want to give you one key to keeping goals, or to keeping New Year's resolutions, because it lends to my point here. What most New Year's resolutions fail to address is not why, but who. Everyone knows why they need to lose weight. Everyone knows why they should read more and do social media less. Everyone knows why they should make their bed and floss. Everyone knows why they should get to bed earlier, wake up on time, and get to work on time is pretty self-evident. Everyone knows why they should quit smoking. But many times these goals, these resolutions fail because they don't address who. They don't address identity. Okay? I'll give you a personal example in my life. You're going to have to take this example and cater it to yourself. But <clears throat> this is what I do in my own life. I don't say I need to go for a run because I need to lose 10 pounds. I don't do that because... That might work for a week or two, but when you lose motivation, it's just not going to keep sustaining you. This is what I do. I say, I'm going to go on a run because I'm a runner, and runners run. (laughs) Okay. Consequently, over time, because again, it's an identity shift. I'm saying like, I'm not, this isn't something I'm going to do. No, I'm a runner. Runners run. Okay. Consequently, over time, I might lose 10 pounds because I'm running. Okay. If your motivation is this external thing that you don't have anything tangible to it, um, it likely won't work. So this is, so, the, so. do this. Don't say, I'm going to try to make it to the gym every day. No, you say something like this, I'm a weightlifter. And what do weightlifters do? They lift weights, right? <laughs> I'm a CrossFitter. What do CrossFitters do? They do CrossFit, whatever that is, right? <laughs> if you say, if you're a psych, you don't say, I'm going to grind my bike. You say, I'm a cyclist, Cyclists ride bike. Um, I'm a walker. So walkers walk, right? You don't say, um, I'm, I'm uh, trying to spend less money and not run up my credit cards. No, you say like, no, I'm a good financial steward. Therefore, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be wise with the money I have and I'm not gonna run up credit card debt, okay? Instead of seeing yourself as a smoker, trying not to smoke, see yourself as a healthy person who makes healthy choices. Okay, it's, a, it's an identity shift. And here's why. Because fish swim, birds fly, and smokers smoke. If you identify as a smoker, what's what a smoker gonna do? A smoker is gonna smoke, okay? You have to see yourself, begin to identify yourself as a healthy person. Instead of trying to be disciplined to floss, see yourself as a person who has exceptional hygiene. And people with exceptional hygiene, what do they do? They floss, right? That's one of the things they do. They wash their hands, they floss. They shower every day, okay? It's a question of identity. Um, stop saying, well, we're not a fit family, or our family's just always late to everything, or we're just not good with money, right? Stop saying those things about yourself. Begin to identify yourself as, no, we are, we are good with money. No, we are a fit family. Amen? No, we are on time, to appointments, okay? Um, again, in my own life, you'll have to, whatever it is your thing that you're trying to do, um, you have to apply it to you. But in my own life, like there are times I would look out, the window and it's blowing snow sideways. It's night and I'm, I asked the question like, what kind of person would go out right now for a run? And the answer is, I would, why? Because I am a runner and runners run and I'm a freak of nature. That's what, you know, you have to, this is kind of the self, welcome to my (laughs) self-talk. These are the kind of things you have to be willing to, you know, be be that person to yourself, okay? So us as believers, we have to focus on who. Otherwise, we will misapply what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. We'll end up in the wrong place at the wrong wrong time doing the wrong thing. Okay, so this inward focus, I want to highlight who you are in Christ and who he is in you. Most believers, I don't think any of us fully understand the depths of who we are in Christ and who he is who he is in us. It's, there are certain concepts that our brains, we can't even wrap our minds around. For example, like eternity, eternity past, eternity future, like that's a hard one. Like your, your brain just starts to smoke, you know, if you try to get your head around that. Or, or that the universe goes on forever. It's like, really? Forever? What is what is past forever? No, you know. <laughs> um, there's certain concepts we just can't wrap our minds around. And I think who we are in Christ Jesus and the depths of his wisdom, the depths of his glory and who he is, we will spend all of eternity watching that unfold and learning more about who he is and who he is in us. Okay, but I want to give you a glimpse today so that you can begin to understand the richness that we have um, in Christ. Okay, so how many Christians we have here? You can You wave your hand at me. If you don't put your hand up, you're not a Christian. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. That was your chance. That was our chance to get more people on the altar call. No. Okay. Are you a Christian? I want to talk to you about you. Okay. I want to talk to you about you. Let me give you a few attributes of who we are. Number one, you are a new creation. You're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.16 says this. Paul says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Let's just stop and take that sentence, for example. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one according to the flesh. What if we looked at each other in that way? What if we looked at each other not for who we see externally and all our failures? What if we looked at each other for who we are in Christ Jesus? Come on, see the golden people. See who they are in the spirit realm. You're monsters in the spirit realm. Come on. Verse uh, 17, it says this Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Okay, our old nature has been crucified with Christ so that we can step into the new nature that He's given for us. It is not your natural dispensation to, to want to sin. Okay, your new identity in Christ is to manifest Christ, it's to manifest love. So many times, you know, you hear, yes, we all have a capacity to sin. And when we got saved, we didn't lose the capacity to mess up, to sin. But we did get a new nature. And we need to identify more with that new nature than with the old nature. Okay? Um, your past, the, the old is gone, the new has come. Your past does not define you. He defines you. Christ defines you. Jesus defines you. People, people say a statement like this, like, um, I just need to go find myself. I'm just, I'm just in a journey of finding myself, and then they go hiking the Alps, and they're trying to find themselves. Let me, I found you, you're right here. You're right, here you are. No. listen, if you wanna find the real you, I'll tell you where the real you is. If you're a Christian, your life is hidden in Christ, in God. You wanna find the real you, it's in Jesus. You don't need to go touring the world to try to find yourself. Find yourself in the person of Jesus, Look him in the eye, and the reflection you see off of him is everything you're meant to be. Amen? So you're a new creation. Number two, you need to, and apply this to yourself, okay? Number two, you are righteous. You are righteous, and you are holy. Listen, righteousness isn't something you do. Righteousness is something you are. He made us righteous. Okay, First Corinthians five twenty one, God made him who had no sin... That's Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So our sin was placed on Jesus on the cross. To be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? We don't do righteous. We are righteous. And then guess what? Based upon that understanding, that new view, you might just live righteous. Okay, we don't do righteousness, we are righteous. You believe that about yourself, and you might just manifest righteousness. Amen? It's a product of our view. Uh, let me ask you a question. Do you have a secret struggle with sin? Okay. Begin to identify yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't even care if it's right after you sin, right after you mess up. Because our, our human tendency is like, okay, I messed up, and now I need a week of penance and sorrowing and wallowing then I can come before God and then I'll we'll talk about holiness and righteousness. No. You're righteous because of the work of Christ in you. Even the moment you mess up say, "You know, God, thank you. That's not who you created me to be." You you know, you raised your voice at your spouse. God, thank you. That's not. You didn't create me to be an impatient man. You created me to be a patient man who's loving towards my wife. Thank you, God. You're going to help me live that out now. Amen. So whatever it is, identify yourself as righteous you're not an old sinner anymore yes you have the capacity to sin but your new identity is righteous amen okay number 3 you are God's prized possession you're his prized possession first peter 2:9 says this you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Okay, he says here, you're chosen, you're royal, you're, and you're holy, you're his prized possession. Now notice this, he says, you are all these things, that you may declare. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Here's the deal. You don't declare to become. You became. Now you can declare. Okay, so many times we get the cart before the horse. You are God's prized possession. That we may declare the glory, his um, his praises. Okay, here's the point, though. It starts with identity. It starts with who. It starts with who you are. Point number four. You are loved. You are loved, you are valued, and you are accepted. First John 3, 1 and 2 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. He's lavished love upon us. Now, the word lavished means to bestow, bestow something in generous or extravagant quantities. He didn't just give you a little love. He has is, he is gushed out and poured out his love on you. And in uh, Romans, uh, I believe it's 5, 5, it says that, um, remember it's Romans 8, 5, it doesn't matter. It's in the Bible. Okay. It says that the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us um, pours forth, manifests, gushes out love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Okay. He has given us love. Okay. Um, he says this, see what great love the father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When we see Jesus as he is, we will be made like him and we will reflect back the glory of God. Here's the deal. You are loved you are valued, and you are accepted. Many times people devalue themselves through their behavior. They devalue themselves through the way they behave or through their relationships or different things. But if you believe you are loved, valued, and accepted, and you believe you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, you just might live that way. Amen? Okay, so here's the deal. Start with who and the what, why, and how will fall into place. The what, why, and how will fall in place. Start with who. Let me give you another one. This one's not my notes. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed your sins from you. You are forgiven, not of the little sins, all the sins, the big ones, the little ones, everything in between. You're forgiven. Okay. Act forgiven. There's something empowering if you imagine you you you're in a relationship, you're in a marriage, and your spouse forgives you of. 99% of everything you've done. But you know there's the 1%. That, listen, you know there's that one thing they never forgave you for. Listen, that 1% is a barrier between you two. Jesus forgave us of all of our sins so that there's no barrier, there's no enmity, there's no separation between us and Father. You are forgiven. Someone needs to hear that today. I have a video that I want to play, and this illustrates how powerful it is about what you believe about yourself. What you believe about you is, is very, very important. What you believe about God is very important, but what you believe about yourself is very important as well. Um, how many know that if you believe a lie, you empower a liar? And I think to some extent, all of us probably have some lie that we're believing about ourselves. We can't afford to have anything in our minds about ourselves that God doesn't have in mind about us, amen? But I have a video that I wanna play that illustrates how important and how crucial it is what you believe about yourself. So go ahead and roll that video.
1: Well, my dad had gone to a Toastmasters early on and heard one of the most successful magazine entrepreneurs in the world speak. He comes back and tells me, I just had a chance to hear one of the most successful magazine entrepreneurs in the world speak, and he said, when are you taking your SAT? I said, I'm taking it next year. He said, well, this guy was failing out of high school. He was struggling. He was raised by a single mom in the Midwest, but he promised his mother he would take a test called the SAT. So he takes the SAT in May his junior year, doesn't expect anything, gets his score back in June. Now, the SAT, which I don't know how many your population know, but it's, it's a standardized test with a math part and a verbal part. Both are scored out of 800 points. Well, this guy takes it. He's he's bombing. He's failing out of school. He doesn't expect anything as he's telling the story at Toastmasters. Well, he gets a fourteen eighty out of sixteen hundred. So he's stunned, right? That would be for the smart That's people that listen to your podcast, yeah. right? Cognitive dissonance. I right? got a like, nine hundred on my SATs just right.
0: to give people a frame. Right. right, and up. I got a ten. A and me. I
1: got a ten ten. Right, I was just hey, four <laughs> digits. It was a miracle, right? And and but it's a hard test, and it, you you know it's a variety of different things. So he gets the score. And his mother, doing what any mother would do, knowing her kids, says, did you cheat? Right? She knows her son. And he says, I swear to God, I tried to cheat, but the way the numbers were and the scantrons and the bubbles, you couldn't cheat. So she says, you mean to tell me you really got that score? He said, yeah, I got the score. So he's stunned, Tom. So as my dad's telling me the story, I'm like, OK. So he says, all right. So what he decides is because he realizes he's smart and he's going into his senior year, he says, I'm going to go to class. Now he starts to go to class. He doesn't hang out with who he did when he didn't go to class. All right? Teachers see him in class, and they said, hey, maybe, Franklin Pierce, maybe we missed the boat on this kid. So they start to treat him differently. Well, as the guy would tell the story, he graduates, goes to a community college, goes on to Wichita State, goes on to the Ivy League, and becomes this massively successful magazine entrepreneur. So I said, okay. Well, the guy was always smart. He just needed a standardized test to unlock it. My dad said, no, that's not the story, and this is what I want you to understand. He said... 12 years after all this guy's success, he gets a letter in the mail from Princeton, New Jersey. Doesn't think anything about it. The next day his wife says, you're gonna open it. He opens it. True story, turns out the SAT board will periodically review their test taking procedures and the policies. The year he took the test, he was one of 13 people sent the wrong SAT score. His actual score was a 740 out of 1600. And he said, people think my whole life changed when I got the 1480. But what happened? My whole life changed when I started acting like a 1480. And what does a 1480 do? He goes to class.
0: He acted like a 1480 because he thought he was a 1480. This is how profound it is to believe what you believe about yourself. Proverbs says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You're, you, as you think about yourself, you are a manifestation of your self-image. And so we need to have, not our image, but God's image, amen? Okay, why don't you stand to your feet? And I'm gonna have the ministry uh, team come forward. And this morning, if you need prayer for anything going on in your life, we are honored to pray with you. But I wanna say, especially those of you who weren't here last week, make sure you come down and receive the anointing that was imparted to this church uh, last week. You might act like a new creation, a righteous person, God's prized possession, and you're loved, valued, and accepted if you believe you are. Our belief determines our reality. Here's the deal. You and I have a God-given right to lay claim to those things that I just said. You have a God-given right to not have your past defined you because you're a new creation in Christ and his mercies are new every day. You have a God-given right To believe and know that you're holy and righteous in His sight, because you are. You have a God-given right to know that you're God's prized possession. And you have a God-given right to know that you are loved, valued, and accepted by Him. Lay claim to those attributes and identify with them, and you watch what God does in and through you. We all have a plan, God has a plan, purpose and destiny for every individual in this place. Many times we limit what God wants to do in us and through us because of roadblocks right here. And we need to to believe this and receive this in our lives. I'm gonna pray. Now, let me give you an application real quick. Is there a sin problem in your life? Start with who? Start with identity. Is there a motivation problem in your life? Start with who? Stop identifying as the the person who doesn't do those things. Is there an insecurity problem in your life? Identify as who? You don't have to be secure. You're secure in him. Is there a depression problem in your life? Start with who? Start with identity. Whatever it is in your life, identify as that thing and identify as Christ has identified you. So Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual in this place. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord God, we thank you that we are sons and daughters of the most high High God. And God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord God, to just be imparted to us today that we can actually receive these things that you speak about us. We can receive these things from you, Lord. We can believe these things about us, Lord God. And I thank you, God, that that will manifest in our lives. So, God, we worship you today. We love you today. We thank you for today, and thank you for a new year. And we thank you for new beginnings. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.